This episode is brought to you by the content creators at Live City Media. They've been filming and editing since 2013 and know exactly what it takes to make your brand's online presence pop. Head over to livecity.media to connect with the team today. Buongiorno. Buongiorno, signori. Come stai? Va bene, va bene. E tu? Va, be- va bene, va bene. E tu, ah, va bene. Yeah, so, uh, you can tell. <laughs> you can, yeah, exactly. You can tell by our accents, and I think, like, just the words we use, we're not fluent uh, in Italian, nope. both Sean and myself. But I thought it'd But, be an uh, unexpected way to start the show. Yeah, no, for sure. Why did you watch The Godfather recently? No, nope, not you at all. I was just Italian. Like, uh, <laughs> I have been trying to learn German, though. Uh, yeah, which yeah. I think it's a simple. Is it a simpler language to learn than Italian? Because I think it's it's closer to English. So I it's think closer to English. English speakers are more. I think find it more easy or easier to to learn German than another language. But I might be mistaken. I mean, I've only been doing it a few days, and I would say when you're reading it, it's pretty familiar but then there's a lot of there's actually a bit of conjugation kind of like the the french spanish uh, and the italian languages so you'd have to do like a, a la, la, masculine feminine on some of the words as well so it's got it almost like a, a hybrid so you have to remember that like a cat is a feminine word whereas a dog is a masculine word and there is uh, a la, la situation Interesting. No, yeah. I don't. I don't know enough German, but uh, Italian, Spanish, a little bit. Uh, I know my way around a few sentences and, and words, yeah. but uh, yeah. All right, but it's good to see you, man. Um, I think it's been maybe what, what, two, two to three weeks? Maybe it's been around three, three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, what do you have in front of you for uh, this fine Sunday early afternoon? Yeah, right after lunch. So we are well fed. So we're not. <laughs> Getting a little yeah, we're early drinkers today. Yeah, we're not not too early. Um, I was actually hemming and hawing over what to have today. I didn't have time to go to the liquor store to go get something fresh and new. Also, with just Christmas expenses and everything, I don't want to personally indulge myself too too much right now because the visa bill is starting to get a little out of hand. So I whipped out the the old familiar of the Powers uh, Signature Edition. Wow, look at you. That's good. Yeah, uh, I, re- I really want to head over to Ontario. I was talking to you about this. And I want to go get a bottle or a few bottles of Powers Gold Label because they don't have it here in Quebec for whatever reason, but they have a whole slew of them in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I really want to go just drive on over, get me a couple of bottles because. That one's a really good whiskey for for less than $40 Canadian. It's perhaps one of my favorite. But I have this one instead. And even though it is a higher price point, I don't like it as much as that lower price point edition. Which is totally normal. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's good like that we've developed the palate to appreciate like whiskeys that 
are not necessarily like top end in terms of how much you spend. Uh, me too. I think there's a few whiskeys that I prefer, like the the, the lower edition more than the deluxe edition. Yeah. So yeah, totally. And this one goes um, for like if the other one's around forty Canadian. This one's probably around 65, 70, just for comparison. Yeah, and I think you notice as well, right? But I mean, the the, the price of spirits it's really hiked, like in the in, like in the last couple of months. I think they've gone up. <laughs> some of the, oh uh, yeah, some of the bottles we're used to purchase at what 60, 70, 65 bucks are now eighty yeah, or like give a or take. Glenmorangie original, S- like the the ten year old yellow boxed Glenmorangie. I remember we used to yeah. buying that at sixty bucks. I think it's pushing ninety now. Yeah, no, I don't it's crazy. understand uh, the, that inflated price hike because it's not in line with inflation. I don't know, huh? I don't know why is it. I don't know a shortage of labor or shortage of labor hands. I don't. I don't know I don't actually know. what is the cost of all this. I mean, ingredients are still r- relatively cheap or accessible to like those producers i don't know man i don't know what's a little frustrating a little just uh disheartening to see oh i really enjoyed this thing but you're slowly seeing yourself getting priced out like can i justify spending 90 dollars on something versus 60 dollars on something and you say yourself well it's 30 bucks it's not the end of the world but when you're an adult and you have all these other responsibilities you the amount of money you can leave for yourself does way yeah. more <laughs> totally yeah i get that yeah on on my end though i i did decide I, I decided to like i don't know spend a little more dollars uh because i came across a bottle that i was looking for uh for for a while actually and i heard some good things recently i think after watching billion season seven uh so i think you're gonna know which bottle i'm going for yes. because that bottle is actually I think it's pure product placement because it comes back a lot of t- <laughs> in a lot of places in season seven of Billions. And I'm like, is it that good? I need to try it. So um, basically for here, I'm visiting Louisville, Kentucky. So I'm back in bourbon territory because it's been uh, I've been drinking the scotch that I've been give, uh, given to me uh, on my birthday. But I was a little sick and tired of scotch. I want to try something else. So I purchased a nice little bottle of Michter's Small Batch uh, Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, and at first, I think it wasn't even considered a Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon because it was distilled in Pennsylvania and not Kentucky. But I think it changed recently. Um, so I actually, there was, I think, like two bottles left of this baby here at my uh, SAQ near, uh, near my house. So I'm like, and it's a little pricier. It's like close to 90, but I'm like, ah, you know what? Why not? Um, so, uh, I, so I just uh, I just tried it actually, but I had just a little um, uh, a little tasting glass, but I'll have like a full glass, but it's uh, it's, it's interesting. And I, I, we saw that label so many times in Billions. I think it's unmistakably like Bobby Axelrod and Robert Wagner's favorite bourbon. So I'm like, I have to try it at least once. So well, there you go. That's why I chose it. Now that you've seen Billions season, we can actually talk about that. But before we, yeah, we get can. into talking about Billions, I want to just pose a, a spirit-related question for the audience. Because usually when we do the show, we'll, we'll ask each other what we drink, and we, we take a sip, and we give our quick impressions on it. Uh, you do the pop on the show now. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course, and I'll do the pouring right next to the mic. Here we go. But I wanted to pick your brain because there might be listeners 
who listen to the podcast who maybe aren't as familiar with the, the whiskey aspect and maybe they just put up with that part of the show before we talk about movies, which is the, the bread and butter of the show. But there might be people who maybe see whiskey as maybe intimidating or they don't mm. see it as what rec- recreational hobby collecting something to appreciate so i wanted to pose a question for those people who are newcomers or haven't even dipped the toe into the pond what's a good first step to get into whiskey as collecting and or appreciating beyond just making like a rum and coke and like going out and not caring about notes and flavors and let's chew on that a little bit that's a great, like a really brilliant idea you had, because again, I think that Sean and I, since we ever started this podcast, we spent so much time geeking out on movies and TV and always having like a small 10 to 15 minutes discussion on spirits. But like, I think considering our name, I think it's it's only good that we have a like 50-50 kind of balance between the two. So I think today we can actually do that and spend maybe half of the episode discussing spirits and how to actually invite uh, newcomers to 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 the this fine pleasure of spirits drinking um and see how we actually go about it so no it's a great uh, great idea you had but answering your question um i didn't have time to plan this out but yeah, i'm trying to remember <laughs> myself yeah i'm trying to remember myself how i actually started and how i actually grew on me and i think the first thing i can say is that if you're actually, I wasn't really a rum and coke drinker that much. I preferred like gin and tonics. Uh, it wasn't my drink of choice. But I think just go for it and just buy a, a bottle, whatever it is. Just go to the nearest liquor store, ask for maybe just a recommendation uh, on budget, something that's not too expensive, around maybe 30 ish, 40 bucks. You can have some good whiskeys at that, uh, at that price level. And just give it a try. Like, just give it a try. Just drink it neat or with ice. Nothing else. Just don't add any any juice. Don't add any sodas. Just by itself. And just try to see. Okay, first, does it taste good? Is it is it is it pleasant to the palate considering what you're drinking? Other than that, and at first, I think that maybe it's a, it's a it's a shock, but I didn't dislike the taste. And I'm trying to remember. I think that the first scotch i bought the it was a scotch i think the first whiskey i bought for myself and i do remember the 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 year it was 2016 ish um but i bought a bottle of johnny walker black label because you can find it anywhere basically and it's so like iconic that square bottle and with the black label like sideways um and i tried it and i really was i i i I actually did like it um so that was my first step into whiskey drinking but i think that again it's just go out of your way and just buy a a first bottle and just read about it watch tutorials review um drink it neat or with ice nothing else and then see if you like it and if you do then you'll want to try something else because one video tutorials go to another and then they actually review other brands and other whiskeys that i think is similar to that price point and is more accessible and is good uh for beginners so it's 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 really i don't know kind of like an easy answer but i would say try some something as simple as that at first See what that take you. I don't know for you, Sean, what do you think? Well, going back to early appreciation for me, whiskey was usually just seen as something like going out with friends and 
you'd start the night by like ordering a shot of Jameson and then you were just down the hatch and nice to see everyone. Let's just get on with hanging out. And when you have it in a shot form, I feel like you're not appreciating the subtle flavors because it's going down so quick. You're not, you're not smelling it. You're not having it in your mouth. And as you're drinking it, it passes across the tongue. And one of the most important things I find, and that's why I drink out of one of these glasses. It's a, it's a carrying glass. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> carrying. Yeah. I yeah. have my own as well. Yeah. And the shape of these ones, it almost looks like a pear and it's much more open. It does. At, right. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. It's much more open at the bottom and then it narrows as it goes up. And the reason for that is that when you give it a little shake, spinning it around, the aromas are going to bottle up in that lower half of the glass. And then they're going to rise up, but they're going to get funneled. And it's going to be much more pleasing on the nose yeah. as a result. And I think that's a great way to start going into it. Don't just take a shot or take a, a drink in a normal cup and just drink it like you would water or juice. You have to smell it first. And then you have to take like a baby sip at the very front and have it on baby the... Baby sip, yeah. Yeah, and keep it on the front of your tongue. And then, like, tilt your head back and put it in the back of your tongue. There's actually a little bit of, like, a mechanized science that goes on for appreciating these kinds of drinks. And that would be something that I would recommend. Just don't treat it as a drink, but treat it as almost like a labor. But I don't mean that as a negative. A culinary experience, by like, if you're going to a fine restaurant and you have, like, really, really those small dishes that sometimes think frustrate you because you're you're hungry, but you know that the, this is fine cuisine and you need yeah, to take one bite like at a time a and really... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or just, like, a, a really small portion of meat or tuna um, and, and just, like, small, like... Sm- Small bites and just take the time to savor all the different aromas uh, of your food. And it's the same thing with this. And thank you for reminding me about like when you're actually sta- tasting it, like keep it in front of the tongue as much as possible yeah. at, at, at first. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting to do this and I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing this right now with my mixers. Actually, I do have my my um, my tasting glass and the smell. It's th- this whiskey. I mean, the smell is incredible this bourbon i mean i smell like cinnamon like on a on a christmas morning and sometimes again it's a really high sensory experience tasting whiskeys and again both by taste but also your smell and it's resonant of things that let, let it transport you like to a place you know in your life or in your routine that is really pleasant to you or just it's almost like a nostalgic experience yeah Yeah, like yeah maybe you've never been to like an old like manor castle that has like wood walls and like a fireplace you can easily be transported to that imaginary place and it just takes you out of your your current setting it whisks you away yeah yeah now Um, this is a really pleasant experience and again like all like all this considered, this is like a really, we're really drinking responsibly when we do that. It's not because th- those are higher proof like bottles. So basically you need to really taste it, not go down the drain, yeah. but just take the time, sip after sip uh, to, to, and just try to find those subtle like tastes and aromas in your whiskey and just hear 
And this is such a rich bottle. I really like it, by the way. I don't know for for you on your end, but I I really dig this with this this bourbon. You mentioned but again, the, uh, like the ab- higher proof, because uh, that's something that should also be bore in mind. What number do you think is a good proof number for adding one or two drops of water to help release the flavors? Because that's something that should also be bore in mind. Because if you if you buy a, a bottle, and the proof is higher. And you mm-hmm. might not realize that the proofing has uh, a direct effect on the flavor. Sometimes you might yeah. need to put tiny droplets of water in it to help release those flavors. It's a good question. Um, so basically, I think if you're a newcomer, the bottles you'll buy, they don't have a mention of proof that much. They, they do have, well, the, the, the alcohol per, per volume, but they don't say like 100 proof or yeah. X number proof. Yeah, usually it I would say if you're looking says at the that, starter yeah. ones, you're probably aiming for a 40% alcohol, give or take. Which is a standard, which is a standard whiskeys are 40%, which is totally okay. You have like some smoother whiskeys, but pretty uh, like accessible and pretty good nonetheless. Um, So every, if we actually buy, so there's, there's two things to look out for on the label of of a bottle. So, and this is like for all bottles. So if you're buying a scotch from Scotland, something out of... United States, like a bourbon or a Canadian whiskey or rye whiskey or Irish whiskey, anything you're, you're, you're buying. If you actually see the mention 100 proof on it, it's, it's a higher concentration of alcohol per volume. So basically, it's, it's, more, it's more harsh, more, uh, more alcohol in it. It's, it's, it's going to be more brutal. So when you see, I think when you see that 100 proof, I think it's totally fine that you try it with either on ice, you can do do that on the rocks, adds like a few drops of water in your glass, you can totally do that as well. But also just try to, to have it neat without anything else. Try the three of them. Yeah. But if you're, you want to have like a pleasant drink, which may be like half glass, and you want to enjoy it with friends on a nice evening, I would say, yeah, that's totally a good proof to put some ice cubes in it. And it's totally good. We, I do it on my own as well. I mean, if I have something that is... And again, this is where the alcohol per volume comes into play. If you, I would say if you're over 45. Um, 45, you can still have a pleasant experience neat. Uh, it's still, I think I'm, I'm used to it, so I'm not, I don't mind it that much. I can drink it neat all the time, but... I would say over 45 or 45 and over, I would say now you can consider if you want to have like a, a more full glass to last like maybe, I don't know, like an hour or so or so, put it on, on, on ice. It's fine. You, you'll still have a, gu- a good experience and you'll still have like a pleasant, the first few sips, you'll have a really pleasant experience because it, it liberates like all the all the aromas of the whiskey pouring on ice, and it's a good experience. So, but don't forty five and over. Much ice, that, I would say that's also, no two yeah. cubes. At I would most. say like yeah, at yeah. most if you're yeah, and again not or if you have like so the the fancy I don't know like um, what's it called like the, molds uh, yeah where you make like the balls yeah. Yeah, exactly. The balls are the big ass cubes, and you get yeah. in fancy bars. Those like are just one is actually fine. better because they won't melt as fast as two individual cubes. True. That's the yeah. main it, difference between having two cubes or that thing. It's the rate of um, the dilution rates. 
True. Yeah. So if you have those fancy cubes, good for you. And those balls, I do have those balls actually. It's I good. Don't. Just one. <laughs> it's enough. I use whiskey. If you stones. have like, yeah, oh uh, yeah, that's my next point actually. Yeah. So if you just have access to like normal, uh, I don't know, like uh, ice molds, two is fine. Just uh, use two. It's going to be way, way, uh, way enough. And if you're fancy like us, you can also purchase what we call rocks, whiskey rocks. So basically is that it's just pure like squarish rocks that you have in a little like um, little pouch uh, bag. Yeah, a little pouch bag, basically. Uh, big as dice. What you do actually is that you put them in the freezer and with the, those actually ice out and they become really, really cold. And when you have chili have, well, this works with all kinds of whiskey, actually, yeah. not just like a higher proof whiskey. But if you just want to have more cold beverage, then just you like purely like temperature, uh, temperature, uh, room temperature meats. Uh, you put those on, you put two rocks uh, in the bottom of your glass and you pour your spirit over it. And that's uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a little colder. Yeah, a little so that's chill. a way of having it neat so, and chill because um, you won't get the dilution. Exactly. Effects. So of the water, I, yeah, I like exactly. doing that a lot, but I never do it on the show because I don't want the stones to clank over the microphone. <laughs> to clank a little, yeah. yeah, I know, and I always forget to like it. They're in my freezer, but I always forget to uh, bring them out. But it, it does happen more and more often that I, I I like and I admire and I consume whiskey. Um, if I really just want to have like a a, a a nice drink, not just like tasting sips, but really just know I want to enjoy my whiskey in front of the fire on a, a cold winter night. Uh, I can have a, a half glass, but I'll do if if it's over forty five or it's forty five and over, I'll I'll pour I'll have two glass two um uh, two ice cubes there. And I'll, I'll pour a half glass and it's going to be a really pleasant experience. Yeah. For so, this one over here, the power I would say that that's, I have, I added just a yeah. couple of drops of water for this particular one because it's at a 46%. And yeah. it's a little stronger. Mine is 45.7. Yeah, so I <laughs> so just stronger two as well. baby drops. Just bloop, bloop. I let the water just tumble down and just like sit there for maybe like two or three minutes. And then I just stirred it up. And it does make a difference. It's yeah. crazy just what two drops of water will do. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I should. Uh, I don't have some near near me, but I should have uh, brought ice cubes. I think mm -hmm. I've put a, like a, myself in maybe a third glass with uh, maybe one ice cube. But there's well, a place not too far away time. from where I live, and they actually sell uh, Highland water. It's like little vials of water from like the lakes in Scotland, and you get the little like eye droplets, and you put it in. And depending on where it is in Scotland, they actually like recommend certain whiskeys. They're like, well, this water. It, it's closer to like the peatiness like that's what the water source it's is branch water yeah. that's why they call it yeah it's like when you have you, you watch those old movies and i think i do remember a james bond movie where he actually says i want a malt whiskey with branch water please yeah. and you just so add it's, that. It's, it's yeah yeah and considering it's, the type of whiskeys i usually go with the scotches i tend to go for i would be more in line with a highland flavored water as opposed to either a spayside or an Orkney styled, well, not Orkney, um, Islay. Yeah, because Islay's very no, it's, peaty. It's, it's really peaty. Uh, Islay, that's Bowmore, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Well, Islay yeah. is the region, and Bowmore is uh, the yeah. label. So you you mentioned like thirty forty dollar price point. Do you have a good recommendation first whiskey? Just sure. Like, safe, yeah, that's safe. That's a good absolutely. Um, Reco that's not too intimidating, but also 
not too yeah. cheap at the same time. So we don't want to have bad flavors or poorly produced content at that price point. Well, that might scare people off being like, oh, what is this nastiness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Case in point, good, Johnny good, Walker good Red Label. I don't do Johnny Walker no. Red Label. No, not this one. Uh, okay, sure. And I think I'll do one whiskey per region. So I'll do one for... So one scotch, one bourbon, one Irish whiskey, and one um, Canadian. In terms of Japanese, I I think I do have. I think I do have. Uh, I'll try to see if I have one. I don't drink Japanese whiskey that often, so it's going to be harder. But uh, okay, uh, and you, we can do that, right? You have a few selections on your own. Like if we do per I'll have to just per like region. ruminate in my head, I might be able to get every region because there's a lot in the Rolodex. But I'll. I'll conjure up a few okay. for sure okay so beginners 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 guys so basically you go in the liquor store you don't know what you're looking for you want something accessible uh that's really recognizable and available everywhere so we can start with scotch um well the, the one i started johnny walker black label uh i think it's an easy starter it's um it's pretty. It's pretty smooth. It's really floral. It's not. It's really not harsh, and it. But it does taste like a scotch. You'll still have like yeah. that small peatiness, peatiness and dryness from a scotch from that experience. And that was actually my entry door into the world of whiskeys, and I had a pleasant experience. So I would say, it's not that expensive. I think you can have it for fifty now. Yeah, I think, I think it's less again than with inflation. Yeah, it's it's, it's on more the size of the than it used too. to be. But I think you can yeah, get those it's... in like Mickey formats. So maybe around mm-hmm. twenty bucks for like a small yeah. Mickey styled. So that's maybe a good way yeah. to try this as well. Like you don't want to spend too much money. Try to find something that you can get in the smaller formats. Exactly. And it's one of their I think it's their best seller to this day, the black label for Johnny Walker and it's a, it's a, it's a great uh like entry door to scotch. It's good. Yeah. It's good I, and you can have it neat. You'll have a really good experience. You can mix it up if you want, but I think you can just, just have it neat as well yeah. with the uh, I, I tried it earlier it, this 40%. year on the show. Great stuff. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Like, uh, don't let it fool you. Like, say, oh, it's really ex- like cheap, accessible everywhere. Yeah, but still, it's mass produced. Yeah, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. So that would be my choice for Scotch. Now for bourbon. Um, actually, I have two two to give, because there's one that's not actually a bourbon, even though it tastes a bit like it. But um, everybody knows Jack Daniels for sure. And usually I think people that are not drinking whiskey like straight or doing like a rum and coke. Oh, no, I mean a Jack and Coke, basically, and always mixing it up with something. But I would say have if you actually see it, it's not available everywhere. But Jack Daniels do have some special editions here and there, not just like their noble, small, like uh, number old number seven, which is on its own. It's still okay. Like you can try it just to see what like what you what what you taste and how you feel. But I would say if you want a more unique experience with something pretty accessible, go with the rye version of Jack Daniels, and it's like a gray label, like beige kind of gray label with green on it. So it's actually like a higher proof, but also there's rye in it. So it's not just like pure. Uh, pure corn to actually add rye. So you have more spiciness to it and more complex notes to regular Jack Daniels. 
So even though it's not a bourbon, it's, it's a Tennessee whiskey, this is actually really good. And it's really, it's maybe a little like less than 10 bucks over the normal Jack Daniels, maybe 10 or so more, but it's, it's worth those 10 bucks or worth it. Uh, I, I'd say that's a really good bottle and I, I even enjoy it and I look for it myself when I don't want to buy something that expensive. That's number one. Number two, I would say uh, wild turkey, just the number, the normal wild turkey. Uh, I think that is a really good everyday bourbon. So you have a good experience. It won't play tricks on you. It's accessible. It's good. Um, the 101 is like higher proof. It's more intense. But if just the normal wild turkey, it's good. You'll have a good time. So I would say that's your entry door into bourbons, I would say. Uh, now for Irish whiskeys, I would say Jameson, but not the normal Jameson. I would say if you have a special edition Jameson. So you have like the stout barrels or you have those like select reserve. special editions. Select reserve. Try those out. Uh, usually Irish whiskeys personally are not my favorites they always i always find that they 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 taste kind of the same but some of the special editions of jameson are really good um Mm. so the the special batch of the jameson try it out you'll have that creamy biscuity feeling but maybe like a little more intense than the regular jameson give it a try see if you like it uh i know i did some of the special edition of jameson i really enjoyed so i would say and they're pretty affordable i think yeah. you can find them like under 50 yeah they're bucks, around 20 bucks extra i would say 20 yeah. bucks canadian and the normal the normal jameson i think is what 28 25 yeah. yeah maybe like around 30 bucks so yeah i would say that that you can purchase a little higher and you'll have a good experience and now for canadian whiskey um, I don't remember how much it costs, but is it lot forty-seven, lot forty-nine? What's what's it? What's the number again? Hang on. Um. Lot okay, 40. you know what? No, no, forget this one. Yeah, lot forty. Okay, this one. Yes. Uh, I think it's maybe closer to fifty, fifty-five bucks, and it's a good Canadian whiskey. There's a lot of rye component to it. It's 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 rich, it's spicy, and some of the good Canadian ryes you can enjoy. But I'll give one even simpler than that. So everybody knows Canadian Club. You can find it pretty much everywhere. I wouldn't say don't buy the regular one, the white label one, which is maybe, what, 28 bucks. Um, buy the rye one, 100% rye, the green label. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really maple syrupy, which maybe might turn off a few people, but... If you just want something a little sweet, easy to drink, accessible, and available freaking everywhere, I would say like Kidding Club Green Label, it's your pick. It's 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 enjoyable. Even myself, I do enjoy it. Like, like on uh, a neat glass, I do like that, that whiskey. Uh, it's not maybe like the most rich recipe, but it's it's good. Like if if you want to try your first steps into uh, Kidding whiskey, I think Kidding Club. Uh, rye and also the classic 12 so the 12 year above it i think it's a few dollars more is good you'll have a good experience and after that you can try other bottles but I, i'm not that uh used to canadian bottles so i'm not like king king whiskeys I, I don't know that my brands that much but those available everywhere easy to drink you'll love them so that my that's my pick what about you all <laughs> right let's see going i'll start in scotland as well uh, Scotch Scotland. It's in 
I think that's a good place to start in general. If you're getting into yeah. these kinds of drinks, I think you have to go to the place where it all began. And I think a very accessible and not quite affordable, but still not like $30 cheap, we're probably going to look at the 12-year Glenfiddich. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did. I, I did try that one a lot when I was yeah, younger. Was, sure. Yeah, it's yeah, a good that choice. That was my yeah. gateway Glenfiddich 12, yeah. into it. Uh, it's more expensive now than it was when I got into it, of course, such as the way of everything. But I think that one is a nice balance. So you'll have a hint of that peat, but it's also lighter and fruitier at the same time, but not being as light as a Glenlivet and not as harsh as a Beaumont Isley. It's um, if you had four squares, like one, two on the top and three, four on the bottom, and each square was the flavor palette, I would say that Glenfiddich is the closest. It isn't perfectly centered, but it's the one that I feel like represents a little bit of everything at the same time. And for that reason, I think it's a pretty good first entry point because you'll see two sides of the spectrum without being overpowered by anyone and you can decide i like the the lighter tones better and you can go to a glenlivet afterwards or like i like that spicy peatiness a bit more the the wood chip feel so maybe you'll mm -hmm. go down a different road but i feel like glenfiddich for the price it's 50 to 60 bucks canadian I feel like it's a yeah. It's more expensive than it used to be, yeah. but yeah, or close to that. Yeah, I think yeah. it's closer to sixty. I may even be a little above sixty, but I think when I first first getting into it, it was under fifty. Yeah, and Glenfiddich, if you actually really like uh, the fourteen-year-olds, is really good. Yeah, that's really the good scotch. Blue bottle, uh, right? Blue bottle, blue label. I think it's yeah, like Johnny Walker. I think yeah. it's more, cl it's closer to ninety, but it's it's good. It's really good yeah. scotch. And that's uh, something that you enjoyed. I, I had it yesterday with my dad. Nice. And I had a good time. Yeah, yeah. that's something if you enjoyed okay, it, you cool. can explore a little more. But I think the green one with the stag, that's a good entry point. There are a ton of good options yeah. beyond that if you wanted to explore further. Um, going. But good choice, man. Yeah. Thank you. Going across to Ireland. If you can get your hands Ireland. on Powers, depending on your region, Powers Gold Label is simply fantastic. Like, I'm willing to drive an hour to go procure bottles. It's less than $40. It's ridiculously smooth and very tasty. And it tastes like an $80 bottle at half the price. And if you can get your hands yeah. on it, that's a fantastic entry point. I have a bottle still here, and it's it's not opening. I'm not opening it because my grandfather gave it to me, and it's still sealed. So I do have good, one. Good for you. Yeah. Keep it sealed. <laughs> Keeping it sealed. Um, but if you can't get your hands on that, if they don't sell in your neck of the woods, I would try to find, just like Fred said, try to find one of the specialty Jamesons. Maybe not something too yeah. bold, like maybe not like the coffee-flavored, for example, or... Maybe not stout no, on her yeah. first pass, but if you can find like a select reserve, um, a limited reserve, something that's maybe $20 above the original bottled price point, I think that's a good way to do it because Jameson is really good at doing um, deluxe editions of their standard line. Their standard bottle of Jameson is great for shots, mixing, and flask drinking. 
but I wouldn't want to just sit down and relax to standard Jameson. So. I I would say the same for me. Like like I couldn't do shots of standard Jameson, but just enjoy it neat or on ice. Nah, standard no, Jameson will burn going down, and burning going down, yeah. in my opinion, is a sign of whiskey that's made with less atten- not attention to detail but it's made cheaper essentially no for sure and they do i mean it's industry industrial made they they they, they produce so many bottles of that whiskey so exactly. for sure after a while it's um... like this all right this power yeah, goes choice. down super smooth where it's like a regular jameson it's gonna burn the esophagus going down and i think that the burning sensation might throw off newcomers so that's why I recommend yep. spending a little bit more. Uh, if we want to go across the pond to the, the US of A, I think a great entry point is to find yourself a Mickey of Woodford Reserve. It'll go for around 20 odd dollars because you're going to be getting a Mickey sized. It's a great way to sample it. You're going to be getting yep. a quality bourbon, uh, really, really smooth, very flavorful. And it's because you're getting it in the Mickey size. You won't be intimidated by the price or you won't be too worried. Like, oh, I have so much left over that I, if I don't like it, I'm stuck holding it. It'll be good for a few glasses and it's, mm-hmm. it's very flavorful. It's on the lighter, fruitier side while still capturing that bourbon corn flavored. It's not as sharp, nowhere near as sharp as a wild turkey, I would say. No. Well, uh the, the regular wild turkey compared to the Woodford Reserve. It's definitely not as sharp as like a 101 wild turkey. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah. But the, the regular wild turkey that I, I propose, uh, maybe, similar maybe similar in terms of like, maybe. I'm trying to remember because, yeah, but it's a good pick. Woodford Reserve, again, I would say that wee bottle, not mm. the, 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 the big bottle because that's pricier. But yeah. Uh, and I would add to that Buffalo Trace, uh, if you can actually find it as well. I think that it's a little cheaper than the Woodford it's Reserve. It's dollars Canadian. But as good. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo Trace, good bourbon as well to try. Yeah, that's um, going to be but yeah, no, my Woodford, Christmas yeah. present to myself, is to find a bottle of Buffalo Trace. Because I bought the... It's El- good. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I got the Elijah Craig yeah. not too long ago. So I think I need the Buffalo Trace to go with. Then, you can find it easily, Buffalo Trace. I think, but it's one of those yeah, ones maybe do that try it'll come two in stock, ACQs, you'll try it. and then it's yeah. gonna go out of stock because everyone wants it. Mm, yeah, true. and then right, so and to wrap it up for Canadian, uh, I think the Crown Royal is a good pick. It's around thirty dollars as mm, well. Uh, the normal or the rye one? The normal one, I think. Uh, mm. I think it's a thirty dollars price point, and. It's a little harsh, but it's not overpoweringly harsh. And I think for the price and the quality you get relative to that price point, $30 for a full-size bottle, I don't think you can do too wrong with that. I think it's a great introduction. It does well with mixing, but it's flavorful enough that you can have it neat or on the rocks. And it's not too intimidating. It's not too bold. It's a weird-looking bottle. So, for <laughs> if you've seen a bottle of Crown Royal, it looks basically like a crown. It's like like I don't know, circled shape, kind it of. Kind of looks like a perfume. Uh, yeah, a perfume bottle, like yeah. a Chanel, like a Chanel Number no. Five bottle, but like more like a I don't know, like circular form. Yeah, it's, it's curvature. Uh, yeah, the the label is not like that. I don't I don't find it that appealing. It's it looks a little cheap. But the whiskey inside it is okay. Yeah. I, I I think I do go for the rye one. 
usually because I like that spiciness mm-hmm. of rye over the normal one. But yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I think, I think if, for first like, timers, we'll start with the, for first timers. It's it's good. Yeah. You can start with and then go roll, to the you, rye afterwards yeah. once you've had that first introduction. True. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think you have more uh, reasonable <laughs> uh, choices and selection than, than me. I'm too like I don't know too pro rye. Yeah. Like, to, you you uh, love your rye. <laughs> I love my rye. I like that spiciness in my whiskeys, but that's just me. But that's a, that was a great conversation, yeah. and, I, and I'm glad that we spend 40 minutes discussing this for once yeah, and not yeah. just go. So we hope you enjoyed to, that. To uh, and if you do enjoy that, let us know, and we'll we'll try to do conversations. We'll like do this more. more often. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, you did mention Billions. Uh, you got to watch it finally. Uh, well, yeah, Billions came to an end. Season seven. It's it's in the bag. Uh, spinoffs are yeah. coming. Well, what did you think of yeah. season seven? Really dig. I really dug it. Um, I think that it came full circle in a in a good way, and surprisingly, for a show like that, happy ending. Yeah. For pretty much everybody except one. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, a happy ending, and I I find that really good, pleasant, like a pleasant experience. Everybody had a good time at the end, and everybody had their years of animosity, like so much confrontation in the show, and. Was it a little cheesy that everyone like came together in the spirit of conquering adversary? A little Just bit, a little maybe. Bit. Did yeah, it work? A little also, bit, not yes. too much. <laughs> Still worked at yeah. the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. We had the return of Damian Lewis as Bobby Axelrod, who sat out the last season. He was only in for in a, a few, few episodes. episodes. Yeah, but yeah. his mm-hmm. presence over those few episodes was certainly felt. And appreciated. Yeah, no, no, he was good, good presence when he was there, and again. Both in this, I think the the only complaint I have again this season is that I I find that the characters, the lead characters, changed too quickly. So both I would say Chuck and Axe, not Mike Prince. I think Mike Prince stayed pretty much similar to what he was, but like they, they after a while they just like with everything they live, they just like okay, I need a break. Like I'll do things. I won't rush myself. I'll do calculated moves. I won't be vengeful. Um, I'll stay to connect with the more peaceful side of myself. And both characters and in season seven, I think we're a little more toned down, which I guess worked because you can relate to them a little more. Yeah. So Axe, it's funny enough because Axe was painted as a hero basically in season seven. Everybody was like referring to him as like the ultimate savior yeah, who can exactly. get, get us out of this situation. Where like season but one, like he was Axe. the antagonist. No, yeah. not just season one. Season one, season two, yeah, season yeah. three, like from the get-go. almost. From the get-go, Axe is not a good guy. Like you're watching from ever since, like even like season five when we're actually left the show. I mean, Axe is not a good guy person that no. much he's he's in it for he's himself. a crooked wall street guy yeah. he's in it for himself it's, and it's funny how he paint they painted him in season seven because they they dropped all of this and he said no well actually after a few years of reflection in england he's actually more in touch with himself and he's, he's he he says that he can actually good do good and choose his battles and whatnot and you actually see him implicated in the war in Ukraine and helping out the Ukrainians and investing in good and just causes and whatnot. So I'm just like, okay, sure. But how much actually happened to this character for him to, to, to 
to be like that. And Chuck is the same thing because Paul Giamatti's character, I mean, is like close to, he went to jail really, he went really that close to, to go to jail. He didn't. But after that, he's just like, I'm tired. I just want to do things for like a just cause and really be careful of who I'm attacking and be strategic and whatnot. So everybody's had is really like, I don't know, like a crisis of faith. And they're just like, okay, I'm going to quiet down now. And I'm like, okay, it feels a little weird, but it feels good in a way. So you're just like more, those characters feel more appealing to you as a good person. But how everything untangles, like it's it was really a powerful season. And I could definitely see, even though I was pro Mike Prince in season six and season five, I could definitely see more and more in season seven, like why this guy was dangerous. I'm just, okay, I can understand why. Like you're, you want to, because again, everybody like was so easily painted him as a bad guy. And I couldn't first see it. In the yeah. first seasons where you appeared, it felt like, like this guy looks legit. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it doesn't look that like was a one bad of the guy. Things that like, I was remarking in season seven as well was in season six, I was like, Mike doesn't really seem to have too many faults as an antagonist. So it kind of felt like they no. scuffed him up in season They pushed seven. it too hard. Yeah. yeah and they're, all of a sudden, they're comparing mm-hmm. him to like the rise of Hitler in one episode. Uh, and I was just like, it did feel like they were trying to make Mike out to be worse than he was in the previous season with uh, the iron fist of Mike Prince and whatnot. I'm like, it did feel like it came out of left field a little bit. Because uh, I yeah. think both of us, we were like, well, what's the problem with Mike Prince? He's creating like a positive What's work the problem with this guy compared to Axe? Yeah, it's like yeah he's exactly. creating like a he's healthy totally work okay. environment. <laughs> he's all about yeah. uh, good investments. He's all about keeping like a clean worth ethic. He's not into like the corruption that Bobby was and he doesn't like breeding unhealthy competition he's all for healthy competition and so it's just like why are we vilifying this guy (laughs) and we're vilifying him so we can have Bobby get redeemed so that was one thing I was like I also noticed and I've I've noticed the past couple of seasons but I think 13 episodes was too long I think 10 would have been better there was a few episodes that did feel like they were meandering like uh, the getaway episode when they went to the cabin I was just like, I didn't like, I didn't like that episode, the hoot hoot. Yeah. (laughs) The the, the howl. Yeah. Because I think it's, and I think it's the same in the US right now, but I mean, like there's a retreat where I think everybody like wears hoods, like in the house of cars where like the richest of the rich, the the most powerful, the powerful, they gather up and they have like this weird Masonic kind of ritual and that's where true power lies. Mm-hmm. I do believe that exists somewhere. I think that they, they have this. I, I did enjoy that episode, actually. I thought it kind of derailed but, yeah. the pacing of the season a little bit. And everything that was gained in that episode with the governor was only further explored in later episodes as well. So it yeah. served as like a large introduction to a character who would ultimately be part of a foil. So... Yeah. In the long run, right, I'm just I sort of like, uh, do we need a whole episode of that? That was one thing. But I did like at the end of the episode where, at the end of the season, where you would go back to earlier scenes and they would play out longer this time around. So we didn't get the full picture. And all of a sudden we could see like there was this master plan in place. We just weren't really mm-hmm. privy to it. And I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. No, me too. Yeah. 
So again, I think to your point, like I did enjoy the show, but again, I think they worked too hard at vilifying Mike Prince when I, I, they could, I could see in season seven why he could be dangerous, but I'm like, again, he, before then you pushed it too hard because this guy was pretty legit, but yeah, but everything like the, 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 the like the plot, how it unfolded, um, just character development overall, I really, I really enjoyed season yeah, seven. I felt like there were stakes. And I think... Yeah, so I think Billions ended on a strong note, but then, as you said, there's spinoffs in the yeah. works, and we think going to we Miami? know where it's... Ma- Wagner is going to Miami, and I think that's good. I- I'll watch that. I like what Robert Wagner, and I think that uh, there are some cameos from Bill- the Billions series that come come in to visit him in Miami. I think I'm, uh, I'm going to be... Uh, interested in that but it should be like wild because wags is a wild character so i'm like okay so actually have a harmony corinne kind of direct the, this series or something like that do you Just think that wags play the, the main character or do you think he'll be sort of like a mentor to a new up-and-comer I would put I would put him as a mentor yeah, because I don't too. think you, you can relate to him too much to be the main character, especially after like, the whole diaper no, thing. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, the, especially after yeah. that. So because yeah, he's a weird, like I don't know, crazy guy when you think about he's it. Pretty Mike masochist. Wagner, but masochist. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. So I would say put him as a mentor figure, maybe to like a young broker or something like that yeah. as the main character. Because from what I understand, but not, not Miami is going to be yeah. about largely about the crypto sphere. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I think that's where it's all going, right? Miami, I think, is like its own market for crypto. Yeah, because like if a, Wall a Street mini Wall is, Street, yeah, yeah, if Wall Street is uh, financial like stocks and all that. Miami is crypto, and then they're going to be doing uh, Billions London after Miami, and that's more about like banking. So you have mm. stocks, crypto, banks, and those will be like the three. And my guess is that Bobby will make cameos in all all the spinoffs. Okay. Yeah, because Billions. Well, it, I guess he should. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. if it's London, that I can see that. But when Bobby was like, "Well, we better go down to Miami together." I'm sure Bobby will show up in like the first episode and like the last episode, like a small cameo for like a scene. That would be cool. So yeah, no, I'll be there for that. Uh, I'm still sad that Billions is ending because again, we've been attached to this show since what 2016. Seven years. Uh, it's seven years. So, but I'm uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the spinoff. So that's one thing that ended. Apart from that, I think both you and I had pleasant experience on Netflix. Yeah, we'll go um, over it quickly because we're already at the 50 hour mark. So we'll give maybe like five minutes each. But uh, yeah, I've watched the Fall of the House of Usher. Mike Flanagan and I latest. heard great things, and I want to. I'm gonna start it this week, I promise. But please give your review overall of your experience. Yeah, because we... I never write reviews for Netflix shows because they all come out at one. And I, I hate binging, and by the time I finish it, the, the hype is more or less finished. So, unfortunately, no review for this on the, the website Screen Hub. But here is my quick review on it, and I would actually say that when the show started, I was actually worried about it. Uh, Come the second episode Mm -hmm. in particular, the main thing was it's really hard to like the characters. They're designed to be unlikable, but it does make it hard to get invested. Like succession, basically. A little bit, but even more so, I found. More so, okay. Yeah, so I was like, oh, like these characters are 
kind of rough and why am I watching this was the question and I would say as the show went on it continuously got better each episode got better and better and better and better and while I don't think it's as good as Hill House or Midnight Mass I will say that of all the shows that Mike Flanagan has done the final episode is the best ending he's done the ending mm. for the house like where interesting one where i say the beginning i was very unsure the ending was a 10 on 10 episode it was flawless wow. perfect peak writing and if anything the ending actually improved the beginning of the show for me so it actually elevated what came before so i'm actually glad i didn't write episodic reviews on this because i would have seemed like i was really harsh on one episode only to have to backpedal but seeing the canvas presented with one thought in mind i was like okay i see what he was doing he stuck the landing i, I completely understand the master stroke now so the writing was exceptional the acting always in a flanagan production really top notch bruce greenwood in particular he's the lead he's uh roderick usher he is the patriarch of this pharmaceutical company um opioids is their poison literally and he's watching as everything around him crumbles essentially and that's as vague as i'll keep it and we get to see the rise in via flashbacks of how he got to the point where he is and then we get to see the descent at the same time and Bruce Greenwood just does a fantastic job as someone experiencing so many different emotions as all these things are happening around him. And he, he was a knockout. I hope he gets some recognition come award season because he was just really good, as well as Flanagan's writing at the end of the day. It was a, a real treat to watch come the end of it. Uh, it was creepy. It was insightful. And plus all the references to Edgar Allan Poe, if you are familiar with some or all of Poe's work, they're great reimaginings, like contemporary reimaginings. They're not adaptations of Poe's work, mm -hmm. but they pull heavily from Poe's work and fit it into the narrative that Flanagan is telling about the Usher family. So it's, it's an interesting reimagining, kind of, kind of how I imagine Foundation is. It's a mm. remix of the books in a way. Okay, yeah. uh, you got my, you got me uh, my curiosity peaked. So I'll for sure I'll give it a watch. But uh, I heard some good things, and again, like you said, the performances. Um, all right, interesting for sure. Yeah, that's good to hear uh, because I was a little disappointed in Netflix content recently. I don't know for you, but uh, I was looking for good stuff, and I'm just like, eh. I'm rewatching a lot of but, old stuff just because there's not yeah too much new right now. That I'm me too, yeah. me too. But I did find one interesting motion picture, um, and I think you'll see it pretty easily. I think it's always like really featured. Uh, in your first like screenshots basically when you go on Netflix but um, David Fincher's latest film is on Netflix it had like a limited run in theaters uh, at the end of October and early November but now it's available um, on Netflix since Friday and I'm talking about the, the most boring title you can ever think of 
uh, The Killer. <laughs> Based on Which the is French graphic novel of the same name. <laughs> a French graphic novel, novel of the same name. Um, so, yeah, it's just, again, boring title. But that being said, it's the return of Michael Fassbender because he's been absent for from the big screen for a while now. I think his last film, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, I think was Dark Phoenix 2019. Oh, was it? Eh? I haven't um, seen Dark Phoenix <laughs> It's not really good, so don't don't bother. <laughs> but that was possibly his last last credit, like IMDb credit on the big screen was Dark Phoenix. So he's been away for I think during COVID and the the few years after that, he's been away maybe four years, um, and he came back as the protagonist of that film, a nameless killer, basically um, in a vengeful story, which is really a story that you've seen in so many other flicks like it, but. David Fincher is back in his element because his last film was a little an experiment that was out of sorts Mank. that I didn't like. I was Mank, which was interesting but not excellent. I didn't. I, I I won't revisit that film. I didn't find it that particularly memorable. But here, um, he's back into like what made him great, like the Seven of this world, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the American version. Social network, like the lighting, the technical aspect of this film, brilliant. Even though the story is not great, Michael Fassbender is excellent in the in the film. And I would say, like to pique your curiosity, like it's not just an yes, it's it's an assassin's tale. But this film, I think, pays homage to well, not homage. That's the wrong word, but focuses a little more on. Okay, so in normal action movies, usually when there's an assassination or a mission or whatnot, everything goes so smoothly and quickly. Well, from his perspective, is like, well, if you're actually a hired, a killer for hire, you're stalking a prey, you're going to do this days in advance. You're going to have moments of boredom and solitude waiting for prey to be in the exact place at the exact time when you need to take him or her down. That's basically what you're seeing. So the behind the scenes of a killer preparing himself to kill someone. Okay, he actually has a whole floor rented out for a week. And his target is not coming. He has to wait. So he's doing yoga on his like on the floor, just preparing his, his equipment. He's going at McDonald's, getting, getting a McMuffin and walking the streets around. So all the boarding, the, the preparations and the logistics, I'm actually having an assassination made or just like murdering people like someone for for money you actually see it from his perspective like as the normal human being what would that person do in the preparation of killing someone so although it's 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 brutal a theme as it is it's interesting from that perspective to see that because it's nothing extraordinary with being a hitman it's just like no you're, you're there's a lot of patience there's waiting there's um, and that person actually, you see what they're like psychologically. It's just that it's not, he's not crazy or anything. It's his job. He's just, he lacks empathy towards people. He's just like, all right, I'm going to do this. You know what it kind um, of sounds like? Having not seen the movie yet, I'm going to, I won't be able to watch it for a couple of weeks probably. But you know what it kind of sounds like? The obsessive technical? It sounds like David Fincher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, and you see that in his characters. It's true. I did hear hear that in, in the podcast because David Fincher is really kind of a Stanley Stanley Kubrick personality. Yeah, to he'll do like is really, cuts really just to get like the right smirk. Yeah, 
Yeah, he's really technical. He's really precise to the yeah. finest details. You, you can't improvise uh, in a Fincher movie. No, you can't. It, everything is prepared to the letter. And that you can see in the cinematography, which is brilliant. The lush colors. His yellows and blues, really excellent the, in the color palettes. The music, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are back. Always. <laughs> from the social network. And the great, great soundtrack. Yeah, great soundtrack. You'll love the soundtrack. Nice. Um and Fassbender is in his element. He's really good as a stoic, like, cold killer, which doesn't feel empathy for his targets. And again, just a normal guy, but again, like, his attention to details, just the prepare, the preparing. And the monologue he's giving is always inside his head. It's not a normal narration. So you're just, like, hearing hear him like thinking out loud what mm -hmm. he wants to do and how he's preparing his material and everything. So, again, not a brilliant or original screenplay or narrative elements i would say but f just for the pure technical aspect of it it's a brilliant film so i i dug it and i think it's going to be in my top five of the year awesome i'm excited most probably i wish i could see so it earlier it. but i will say i got so many things on the horizon and so limited time the only free day no worries, i would man. have had is a concert coming up this weekend i'm seeing a uh, mammoth wolfgang van halen and then I'll probably be able to see it next weekend if I'm lucky. It's all good. I'll do a review on Screen Hub uh, in the next couple of days to 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 get you waiting. But it's uh, yeah, the, this for sure is going to be on my top five uh, end of the year list on Screen Hub. Uh, Killer's going to be there. Can't wait. And maybe Killers of Flower Moon. I didn't mention it, but I know you said that last time you reviewed it. I didn't I didn't see it at the time. I did this week. Um, I had a really pleasant experience. It's uh, it's a great Martin Scorsese film, more like easier to understand and I and I anticipated. Everything was more giving to us than I thought. I thought it would be more like a who's who done it kind of scenario, but <laughs> all the answers are giving to you really Very quickly, quickly more than I yeah. thought, and I'm just oh okay, so it's that simple. But all right. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's long, but I think it goes quicker than you think because the flow is great. It doesn't feel as long as There's, Oppenheimer, I would say, despite no, it being an no, hour Oppenheimer, longer. the last yeah, Oppenheimer, the the last the last third, you're just like, oh Jesus, when is this ending? But this, like, nothing dragged too much. No. Like it's scene per scene per scene. Like the the flow is great, and as you said, Robert De Niro, yeah. Flawless performance. I hope he gets that uh, be nominated for. I hope he wins. Yeah, nominated for best supporting I'll, actor, yeah. and maybe he can win. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lily Glasson as well. DiCaprio. He was really stupid in that film, but sure. Yeah, good performance. But he has like his jaw might ache after this film because yeah. he's always like pouting a little bit. <laughs> like always, like a brutal like grunt face. But uh, I still enjoy. Yeah, it was a good film. Cinematography is great. Um, good, good motion design, as you said. No, it's. Uh, I mean, uh, pr um, production yeah, design. Yeah, that's crazy in that design. movie. Production uh, the design. Yeah, barber the sets shop uh, pool hall that they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great set. Great set. Yeah, so I enjoyed it. It's good, good Scorsese film. Uh, for, for those of you who really love the Seventh Art, like the the pure joy of cinema, it's a great film. Awesome. So there you go, man. I think, uh, I don't know, should we, anything else we forgot to mention? I think that's or that's, it. Uh, that's yeah. a wrap. Got uh, just over an hour in. So I think that was a really good episode. Really enjoyed the, the conversation, talking about whiskey, spirits, and like diving into that 
first experience. I hope yeah, uh, formula. I hope listeners uh, benefit from it. Yeah, and uh, thank you. For, that was a great idea. I think we should, we ought to have episodes where we, I think we balance more the, the spirits angle of our show with the movie and TV. I think it's something that lacked maybe previously, so we should do that a little more often. Yeah, so I thanks. think so that too. That was good. So thanks All for right. listening, everyone. We, we always appreciate it. You can give a, a like, a review, and share it around. That's per usual. We deeply appreciate it. We deeply appreciate it indeed. So on that note, have a great wing, uh, wing. great week, my man. Talk to wing. Have a great week. Uh, talk to you soon uh, until we reach that 50th crucial it's episode. Up. And uh, yeah, keep drinking, keep having fun, keep watching, keep listening, all of those good things. And we'll talk to you soon, guys. Take care. Perfect. Have a good one. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.